Welcome to the Jet Setting Family Travel Podcast. On today's episode, we have an amazing interview coming up with Christina and Eric McAvoy with Max Explorer, who are going to share their love for the outdoors and incredible adventures with all of us. But before that, we wanted to give you a little update as to what we've been up to since last week's episode. So last week on episode two, if you guys were here with us, we told you all about our time in Hawaii. And since then, we took a 10-hour flight with our kids and (laughs) arrived to Manila, Philippines. Yeah, this is our first time in Southeast Asia as a family. And we chose Manila due to the fact that it was one of the shortest uh, direct flights from Hawaii. We arrived super, super tired, the kids especially. Yeah, so our flight left at noon from Hawaii, and we arrived at 4 p.m. the next day to Manila, even though it was a 10-hour flight. So the time zone change was a little bit weird for us, but it was still manageable. I think we were able to still continue that day as if it was the same day, and then put the kids down a little bit earlier that day and see how they adjust to the next day. I actually was expecting it to be way worse. I think the kids adjusted better than I did. Yeah. Um, They kind of just rolled with it, which was really cool. And we did purposely plan that the first two days we didn't do anything at all. Yeah, we stayed in our room. We we rented out an Airbnb, and it was a nice little space for us, right in the middle of Fort Bonifacio. It was about half an hour from the airport. It's a really cool up-and-coming kind of part of Metro Manila. We were actually staying right next to the Grand Canal Mall that was modeled right after Venice. And the nice thing was that we could walk everywhere. We didn't really need to get in a cab. We could walk to any restaurant. Mm -hmm. So we did that for pretty much two days. We really laid low and mostly if the kids were tired, kind of let them acclimate. And then after that, we decided to go to Kid Zania. So Kidzania is a mini city, right? So when somebody shows up, you get a little passport. The entire lobby area where you buy the tickets is modeled after an airport. So you're pretty much arriving to this country called Kidzania. Your kid will get some money to start off with and they go and they do perform little jobs, jobs that are around 15 minutes in length. That's anywhere from uh, learning how to make burgers, how to bottle sodas, how to fight fires as a fighter fighter, how to be a doctor, a recording studio artist. It's insane. And then they can use their little money to go to the store and buy things. And Santi loved it. I think Kidzania is definitely perfect for the ages of like 5 to 12. I will say for the little ones, there wasn't as much to do. They did have a small toddler room, but nothing all that fascinating or worth yeah, paying for. for- like, had it been just Nora we probably wouldn't have been as excited to spend all the money. And I kind of felt bad because she just got to watch Santi do all the fun things all day (laughs) and she would cry through the window. And that's something to remember too is at Kidzania, all of these jobs they're doing are through glass windows. So you can see your child at all times, but you are not permitted to go into any of the jobs with them. It Mm -hmm. really tries to teach them independence. I walked in to like the bank when he went to cash his check and they were like, you're not allowed in here. I was like, oh, I'm so (laughs) sorry. I forget. I'm so used to like escorting him everywhere. But it was really, really fun for Santi. He felt so special and like such a big boy. And I think it really teaches kids how the world works. So Kidzanias are at different countries all around the world. So if you have a little one and see one close by, definitely go check it out. Um, your little one, if they're older than five, 
will have the best time. Yeah, and we're excited to continue experiencing Manila before we head off to Bali, in which we will talk about more in later episodes. But for now, it's time to hear from our guest on the show today, Max Explore. I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Christina and Eric McAvoy. They, along with their children, Austin and Carson, are an outdoor loving family that beautifully capture their adventures on their Instagram page, Max Explore. We have loved following them for about a year now and seeing all of their amazing adventures from hiking to skiing and kayaking. They're always having active outdoor fun. Welcome to the show, guys. It is such an honor to have you here with us today. Hey, thanks. Hello. We're excited to be here. So let's jump right in, guys. What inspired your family to start sharing your adventures on your blog and your Instagram page, Max Explore? So about three years ago, we decided we wanted to kind of share our outdoor adventures with kind of this online community. Part of it was we wanted to kind of get to know people online that kind of shared the same interests as we did. We were also in the works of starting a blog. And so our goal was to kind of, hey, let's build up a little community that might be interested in reading our blog once we once we launched the blog. So that's kind of what started Max Explore was to kind of inspire other families to get outside and, and do things with their kids outdoors, wherever that is. Have you always been outdoor lovers individually or is this a passion you found once you met? No, I think from a young age, we both have always enjoyed being outside, spending time with family and friends. I mean, our first date was hiking, you know, I mean, we went hiking and, you know, we've skied together since before we got married and done lots of crazy stuff together. So our kids had no choice. (laughs) Your boys are 13 and 10 now and have been doing outdoor activities since they were very young. How do you think this has impacted their lives? Well, number one, I think they're super lucky and very, very fortunate because you you can't help but compare. And that's kind of a bit of human nature. And I compare my youth to their experiences now and the things they've done so far in their young lives is, you know, it's, it's just so much more than the average kid that is in our type of environment. But I also think that a lot of what we've done has shaped their lives to have a better understanding and a better respect for nature, the world we live in, and and appreciating our surroundings and our environment. As Austin and Carson have grown, how has this affected the types of trips you take or the activities you do while you travel? Our kids have grown up hiking and camping. I mean, we camped them when they were babies. We hiked them when they were babies. We skied with them in our backpacks, you know, so they They've grown up with it, but obviously as they've gotten older, they've there's been less limitations. So, you know, obviously we're not having to carry them or even their gear. They can carry their own gear. And, and so I think what it's done is it's just kind of opened up possibilities, you know, for us um, to do more and to not have to hold back a little bit because we have kids. So that's been really nice. Yeah, they're much more adaptable now compared to when they were younger. As you will know, with your daughter and your and your son, you know it's we gotta. You have to take into consideration. Okay, well, so and so is gonna last for two and a half hours, and the other one's gonna last maybe four. So we gotta plan accordingly. You know, the other thing that I really like is that we can do a lot more, for lack of a better word, grown up stuff. You know, like uh, we we can do big backpacking things, and they can they can be all right. 
While we're definitely enjoying our kids' age right now, we do look forward to the future when they have less restrictions like you're talking about. What advice would you have for other families who want to travel more with their kids, but maybe they're a little nervous, whether it's to go abroad or they're nervous to maybe hike to a more remote location like you guys sometimes do? I think a lot of the unknowns is because people don't research enough um, or they don't talk to other people that do it enough. And so I think for me, I'm more comforted when I've done my research on a location or I've talked to friends or people that I've met online about this place that we're thinking about going that makes me feel more comfortable taking my kids there. So I think my biggest thing was do your homework, you know, and, and, you know, and, and talk to people because I think the more you talk to people, the more you feel like, Oh, I'm not this crazy weirdo who wants to take my kids overseas. You know? I also think that here in the States, especially in our own homes and communities, we, we kind of get, uh, we just get familiar and comfortable in our own day-to-day activities and, a lot of what we've tried to do is just to uh, kind of show families, um, whether they're big or small, that uh, it, your, your travels don't have to be exuberant and they don't have to be huge and, and cost expensive. You know, they can just be a simple weekend kind of a thing. Uh, a couple hours drive from your own home, you know, just, just kind of branching out and, and just getting outside of the normal rut of everyday life is, is a real good way to, to kind of start your adventures. How far out do you guys typically plan your trips and adventures? I would say like six months, maybe. We kind of look ahead about six months, sometimes farther out. It just kind of depends on the trip. If we're going a big international trip, we usually plan a little more ahead, you know, maybe a year ahead. Another another thing we do pretty regularly is, you know, we'll just take an extra three day weekend. Yeah, we do. And, that a lot. and we'll just go out to some areas that are close to us or somewhat close and kind of make the best of that place that we're at. And that's one of the reasons yeah. why we love where we live in Idaho because we're surrounded by Montana, Oregon, Utah, uh, Washington. And so we've got so Wyoming. So we're like surrounded by so many amazing places within a you know, four, six hour drive that it really makes exploring pretty close to home really appealing, you know, because there's just so much beautiful scenery around us. And even in our own state, we love our own state. Do you find it hard to capture the moment and also be able to live in the moment? How do you manage that balance of still being present and enjoying your time where you are while capturing stuff to share with all of us? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, it kind of depends if we are on a job, um, like a paid trip, which we've done quite a few of those, we don't stick to a a shooting schedule. We're just kind of shooting throughout the day. You know, we usually have planned activities by the brand that we're working with. So it's not like we have the ability to just say, Oh, we're only going to shoot in the morning and the rest of the day, we're going to go play. So it kind of just depends on the trip. And honestly, I really enjoy shooting. So for me, if we're somewhere really beautiful, it'd be really hard for me to not have my camera out. But at the same time, I think what I try to do the most, and I think my husband too, is we try to capture more candid stuff. 
or at least shoot them in in the moment of whatever they're doing, whether they're paddleboarding or hiking or skiing, instead of like posing them, you know, it's just kind of capture what they're doing in this landscape and maybe kind of set it up and say, okay, just do whatever you're doing through this this shot right here. And, and then that way they're doing whatever they want and they're not having to pose, but you're setting up your composition to what you want to shoot, you know? Yeah, the other, the other factor that we do is um, we prep our boys. <laughs> We let, we let them know, hey, yeah. look, guys, it's the paid trip. We, have to, we have to accomplish these tasks. And then once we do that, then we can kind of be a little free to do what we want, yeah. so to speak. But our kids are great. And there are ages where they understand and comprehend that, okay, like, we're getting paid for this. We need to cooperate. <laughs> and they do. They do a pretty good job. You mentioned going on paid trips. When that happens and you do these collaborations, do the brands typically reach out to you or do you have to reach out to them? What is that process like? Most of our paid trips, they've come to us. Um, We have found over doing this, our first paid trip was about two years ago. And, and it was a huge collaboration that we were like, did they pick the right family? Like, why are they calling us to do this? I mean, it was a really big deal and we were so nervous about it. But um, I would say that ever since that first trip, I mean, most of the, most of the collaborations that we've done that have been paid, the, the best ones have been ones that have come to us. We've not done a lot of pitching ourselves. We hope to do more of that as we travel. Um, But with that said, we don't want our full-time travels to be dictated by where a brand or company or or tourism board wants us to go. We've always planned to kind of work remotely and and continue doing that. And, And then, of course, if we make money on the side, that's great. But we want to do it at our own speed and in our pace. So... Speaking of having the freedom of choosing places you want to go to, we recently saw that you went to Havasu Pie. For our listeners out there who do not know what Havasu Pie is, it's actually a reservation within the Grand Canyon. And it's a place that a lot of people don't get to visit because they only give out permits of about 350 people per night. And they sell out extremely quickly. They're already sold out for all of 2018. And the name means people of the blue-green water, which refers to the pristine color of the Havasu Falls, which is pretty much the main location that people hike to. It's a 10-mile hike in and a 10-mile hike out. There's really no water for the first six miles and temperatures get up to 105 degrees. So it's a pretty strenuous hike, but that people say is truly amazing and gorgeous. So we can't wait to hear about your trip there we've we had wanted to go for before we even had kids i mean i i think 15 at least 15 years ago is when we first kind of heard about it and we wanted to go but then we moved back east actually for graduate school and then we came back west and and then having young kids and going through cancer kind of just put stuff on hold a little bit in that department three years ago was the first time that we tried to get a permit and failed and so we tried to get permits every year for the last couple of years until this year finally they started an online reservation system hallelujah and so i was like okay i'm gonna be on the ball february 1st at 7 59 a.m i'm gonna be on the computer ready to hit reserve <laughs> i literally was on the computer like i knew my dates and and we didn't have a lot of flexibility in our dates because we did not want to go in the summer we're totally anti-hiking in 110 degree weather and so we're like we're going during spring break and that was the only time that 
it was going to work. And so everybody's like, have backup dates. And we're like, well, we're not going to have backup dates. We're just going to try and get the dates that we want. And so I was super like on the computer, ready to go at eight o'clock. And sure enough, I got them and I got lucky. And, and then I found out like at eight 20, the whole year was sold out. And I was like, Oh my gosh, we got so lucky. Yeah. It it goes fast. So you have to be, you know, if you have have the opportunity, maybe set up two computers or something and just get ready to click, 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 you know, for your reservation. The other thing that maybe not a lot of people know, it's not cheap. (laughs) So be prepared to pay. You know, it's the, the whole hike is inside of the Indian reservation. And so they have the freedom and the leeway to really regulate it how they want. And so it, it, it's, it's hefty. We paid about 700 bucks to camp yeah. <laughs> two nights and three days. So we joke that it was the most expensive camping trip we've ever gone on. We were sleeping <laughs> on dirt and we're paying like $700 to sleep on dirt. Like what's wrong with that? You know, but it was, absolutely worth every penny. I mean, besides the scenery, so incredible and really pictures really don't do it justice. It's just the whole experience of you kind of feel like you're stepping back in time because there's no roads, you know, they, they do everything by horse. So their mail that the Havasu by tribe has their mail coming in by horse, their, their store goods. And you just kind of feel like you're stepping back in time and living in this you know, older world where, you know, things move a little slower in that sense. And, and then it's in this beautiful land and, um, it's just incredible. This the whole experience is amazing. And of course, for me, the, the best thing was really just seeing our kids accomplish hiking 30 miles in three days and, and carrying all their gear. I mean, we didn't get a helicopter out. We didn't pack our, our, our gear on a mule. We just said, we're going to do it all of ourselves. And I think that accomplishment in itself and seeing our kids just like so excited to accomplish that was the best part of that trip for me. You mentioned some of your plans were put on hold to your battle with cancer. And following you, uh, we have read that you did face stage four melanoma and just had a 20% chance of surviving five years, which I can't even imagine with little children how terrifying that news would be and just how much you had to overcome and how hard you had to fight. So how did that experience, I guess, change your perception on life? Well, I mean, I think I've always been who I am. My interests have never like really changed um, in terms of before cancer, after cancer. But but I think uh, what kind of changed me, I guess, is I, I've always been kind of one of those people that's kind of always like planned for the future and always focused on the future and the future and the future. And, and not that I'm still a little bit that way, but... I'm definitely more live in the present and enjoy today because again, you know, I learned the hard way that you're not guaranteed, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm so glad that I went through that when our kids were little, because I think I really relished that time when they were little and I just soaked it up because I knew that they're going to grow up fast and I'm not guaranteed to see them grow up. You know, I mean, there was definitely days where I was worried that, you know, my, my greatest fear was that I wouldn't see them become adults. And um, of course, as things kind of progressed and I, the treatments were working, I was able to go back and do those passions and, you know, outdoor adventures that I love so much. And, and then involve my kids in that. So, you know, my interests haven't changed. It just kind of changed my perspective and just enjoying it now because you're not, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. 
Well, we are so happy that hopefully that is a chapter of your life that never reopens and that you're happy and healthy and we're able to see your children grow and enjoy all of these incredible adventures with them. Thank you again so much for being here, guys, and for sharing your love of the outdoors with all of us here today. I know that you guys have inspired our family to be a little bit more adventurous and to incorporate more active outdoor activities into our kids' lives. We look forward to continuing following you guys along your way and to see more beautiful pictures of your travels. Yeah, thank you. To everyone here with us today, we hope you guys enjoyed our second interview with Christina and Eric from Max Explore. If you want to follow along their journey, you can find them at Max, M-A-C-S, Explore on Instagram, as well as their blog, AdventureTogether.com. Next week, we have an awesome interview lined up with Travel the World family. They've been on the road for four months now and have been traveling faster than most. But until then, you can continue following along on our adventures on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Jet Setting Family or at our blog, thejetsettingfamily.com. We also hope you subscribe to our podcast, whether it's here on our favorite platform, CastBox, or wherever you listen. Remember, we can't see you, so the only way we know you're here is if you leave us a comment or even maybe an awesome review. The music for today's show has been provided by The Long Valley with additional music by BMC. We appreciate your time and until next week, happy jet setting! The Podglomerate, a sonic universe. Ever wonder if they were listening to you? So did Al Franken. Yep, that Al Franken. He was just on our podcast impersonating his former Senate colleagues in the name of privacy. What the Hack with Adam Levin will make you feel more chill about the unchill things that happen online and off with easy-to-understand tips to make your life a little less hackable. Join us as we look at the ways people get scammed and hacked. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a weekly cyber true crime show that unravels a fresh new hell every Monday. What the Hack with me, Adam Levin. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, board certified OBGYN, and you may know me from social media where I spend a lot of my time educating about everything reproductive health. This podcast is called Let's Talk About Down There, and that's what I'm doing. I am talking about down there with no shame, no stigma, a lot of fun, and a lot of education. And why? Because when we talk about these things, we educate and we empower ourselves. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body, and we're going to answer them. 